skin. Just uh, is that right? Ah. Okay, let's try that again. Okay, fine. Thank you, Michal. We've been learning a tilim together um, as an attempt to increase our learning and also to enhance our tefillos. And so today we're going to learn tilim kufmen base. Um, tilim kufmen base might not be one of the most um, uh, frequently said uh, tilim. It might not be uh, one of the ones that are um, incredibly um, familiar to everybody, but it is a very fitting parak of tilim um, for our for our times, especially depending on which of the Rishonim's readings. Uh, we uh, we we prefer. So let's go to Tehillim Kufman Base. Uh, it's at the top of the source sheet. If you don't have my source sheet, it'd be good if you had it. So it's in the link in the chat over here. I know everybody here has it. Um, if not, you just open the Tehillim to Tehillim Kufman Base, and then you can follow along as we as we go from there. So again, I'm just going to read the Tehillim and loosely translate, and then we'll move through the Rishonim and Achronim, and hopefully add depth to our understanding of the of the Tehillim. Here we go. Maskilo David biosoba marat fila. So uh, a uh, let's just say right now. Um, um, um we'll define better when we learn the the Rishonim and Nachronim or the Midrashim in this uh, in this regard. But uh, a song for uh, for David Amelech or instruction from David Amelech might be a much better translation literally. Um when he was in the cave, a uh, a prayer. My voice, I scream out to God. My voice, I ask God for uh, for gifts. I pour out before God my um, um, my meditation, Sarasila Panavagid, my uh, difficulties, my troubles, I uh, I speak before him. When my soul wraps itself around me, and you God know my path, um, in the way that I walk, they set for me a trap. Look to my right hand and see that there's nobody who recognizes me. Avad manos me many, I have lost all refuge in the There is nobody who is seeking to assist and to, to help me. I call out to you, God. I say you are my refuge. You are my portion. In the land of the living. Listen to my song because I am very downtrodden. Save me from my um, uh, from those who are chasing me because they are stronger than I am. Um, remove me from my masker, um, um, when you are confined. Confinement. Ah, that's a good English word. Right? Take me out of my uh, confinement. So that I can, thank you. So that I can praise your name. Be and with me, through me. The righteous will be crowned because you uh, assisted me, you helped me, you uh, brought my uh, fate to its uh, fruition. Uh, different ways of understanding exactly what that last uh, what that last line means. Okay, so this is the paragraph of Tehillim. And again, if we uh, if we had to summarize, you know, a topic sentence, I guess, you know, uh, in this uh, paragraph of Tehillim, I, I guess we would say that David Melech says, "I have nowhere else to turn. I call out to you, Akadosh Baruch Hu." Um, because you are my uh, my last remaining or my only you know uh, refuge, the only place that I can look for assistance and for help. Fair? Yes. Yeah. Everyone. Good. Good. Now let's go into the words of the Rishonim and Nachronim. We'll start with the Midrash and uh, hopefully add depth to our understanding of the Tehillim, so that uh, a we'll get to learn Torah together. So we're doing, but also will uh, help us in our in our tefillahs. So look at the Midrash that we have here first. Mahu Maskila David. So we've already seen a number of different beginnings to different paragraphs of Tehillim. We actually haven't seen this one yet, right? Maskil is a new one for us. This is not, we're in Tehillim Kuf Membeis. We're almost all the way at the end of the Sefer. This is not the first time in Tehillim that you find, you know, uh, Maskil David, right? But um, but for us, it's new because we haven't seen it yet together. So what does it mean, Maskil David? Because when Shaul and David were in the cave, I'm going to show you the Pesukim in a second. It's Shmuel Al-Perakavdalit. We're going to get there in a minute. If you look down the page, you'll see that it's uh, that it's right there. But um, but we'll get there in a second. Yoda David realized Viraan, he saw that nothing can help him at that moment. In that moment in his life, David Amelach came to a realization. He realized that all of the money that he may or may not have won't be able to help him right now. He realized all of the wisdom that he may or may not have won't be able to help him right now. He realized all of the physical strength and prowess that he may or may not have will not be able to help him right now. Umahu omedlo, and what can help him right now? Tfilato. The only thing that can help him right now is his tefillah. In this moment, David Amelov came to a realization. The realization is that everything else that I might have relied on at a different point in life, my wherewithal, my wisdom, my strength, 
Couldn't think of W word, right? For for strength right there, I had wherewithal wisdom. Couldn't come up with it right there. Right on the end of the show. No, opposite. That's Anthony, right? So, uh, so, but what what can stand with me? Mahu Omedlo, Tfilato. Only his Tfilah will stand for him. He's skilled David. You hear that language that the Midrash says? David Amelech became Seichel. He became, uh, I'm going to say wise, but that's not a great translation. He's skilled David. He became wiser. He became smarter. He's skilled. Viyoda. And he learned, Va'amar, and he said, She'in tov lo ela Tfilah. That really, really, we always only have to be loved. You see, sometimes throughout life, we think we have other things. We think that we have strength, which is going to help us. We think that we have uh, money, which is going to help us. We think that we have wisdom, which is going to help us. But in, in the end of the day, right, uh, when, when things come down to it, it's our tefillah that enables each of those things to work. It enables our wherewithal to assist us. It enables our strength to help us. It enables our wisdom to help us. And that's why the Tehillim starts Maskila David. It means this is a lesson that David HaMelech learned in that moment. So Maskila David means the lesson that David HaMelech learned in that moment. If you look at the Midrash right underneath it, the Midrash here, elab- the, the, the second Midrash, right, it, it elaborates. It's The Midrash says, when Sadiqim find themselves in difficult and trying times, they only um, rely themselves on a Kaddish And this is true about a number of different paragraphs of Thalem. He's running from Avshalom, he only sings that Kaddish Baruch Any difficulty that came to David Amelech, he trusted in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When he was with, in the cave, he only called out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He says, when I was, uh, when, um, when I was Maskil David, that's our paragraph of right? So this is the lesson that David Melech learned. When he was in the cave, he said the following tefillah. Let's move down. Look at, look at Rashi. Do I know where the cave was? No. I know it was a cave somewhere in the vicinity of Ein Gedi. That I know because the Navi, the Navi tells us that. I'll show you that in one second. All right, but I don't know which cave or specifically where where it is. It's a good business opportunity right here, by the way. Anybody, let's find a cave out near, you know, Ein Gedi somewhere, and uh, we'll hang up a shellet, you know, like uh, you know. And uh, no, I'm I'm being facetious, you know. Although I don't know what. What did you say? Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay, good. Thank you. Good. Okay, let's get back to the deal, everybody. When he was in the cave, Rookie Rashi. Rashi says, Which cave was it? It was the cave in which David Amelech cut off the corner of the cloak of Shaul Amelech. So, where is that story? It's in Shmuel Al Perkhavdala. That's what I have for you right underneath. Let's learn the story and see exactly what it was that happened. So, the Navi tells us, so what happened in the parak before this, right? Um, which I didn't, I didn't give you right here, is that Shaul Amelech is chasing after David Amelech. Do you remember this part of the book of Shmuel? Shaul Amelech realizes that David Amelech is going to be the next king. This drives Shaul a certain amount of uh, of man, and uh, and he starts chasing after David Amelech. He's an attempt to kill David Amelech. And um, there's a point in the parak right before in Shmuel our parak of Gimel. There's a point where Shaul is is on David's heels, and you know David is on like one side of the mountain, and Shaul is like mamash on the other side of the mountain. Like he's he's tracking him, he's chasing him, and he's really like right right behind him. And then Shaul gets word that the Plishtim have attacked the Jewish people, and so um, um, maybe maybe not uncommon in our history when we are so focused on infighting, right? Uh, we get attacked from from the outside. That's what happens here. Shaul Amelech is chasing after David Amelech. His focus is on finding David and trying to kill David Amelech, and he gets attacked by the by the Plishtim. Actually, what's even more interesting is that Shaul Amelech's men seem to have a debate over there in Shmuel Aleph Gimel about whether they should um, go to uh, fight against the Plishtim or whether it's more important that they continue to pursue David. Shaul Amelech, they, they actually have a disagreement about what they should do. They get word that the Plishtim are invading, and some of them think, oh, forget about the Plishtim right now. We're right on David Amelech's tails. We can we can catch him right here. And they decide not to go after David. They decide to go fight against the Plishtim. So they go fight against the Plishtim, and Shaul is victorious against the Plishtim. And then our parak picks up right after that. So Shaul Amelech defeats the Plishtim. And then he gets a message. He finds out 
that David Amelech is uh, in uh, is hiding and living in the deserts around uh, around Ein Gedi. And he takes three thousand men to go to chase after David Amelech. And they reach a certain place. There was, a, I don't know, sheep grazing, flocking. And there was a cave over there. And Shaul goes to use the bathroom in the cave. And unbeknownst to Shaul, David Amelech and his uh, band of merry men had, uh, had hidden inside of the cave. So you see what's going on right here? Shaul is chasing David, right? David Amelech and his men are hiding in the back of the cave. And Shaul comes into the cave to use the to use the bathroom. By Yomer and Shei David Elah and David Amelach's men, they say to him, "Hine Hayom Asher Amar Adonai Elecha." Behold, the salvation of God has come. Hine Anochi Nosena Sayivcha Biyadecha. God told you He was going to put your enemies into your hand. Biasisalo Kasher Yitabi Enecha. You can kill Shaul right now. He's right there. He's using the bathroom. He doesn't even know we're in the back of the cave. We have weapons. We just take them out right now. But do you see? Do you hear the way that they say it? Like the salvation of God. You hear it? I'm saying like, you know, David Amelech, this is what God told you. And David gets up. And he secretly, quietly, he cuts off the corner of the cloak of Shaul. Now, I don't know what David Amelech was thinking at this point. Like why he did that. Because the Pasuk now says, it was after he cut the corner of the coat of Shaul, David also. David, he felt bad. I can't believe I just did that. Cut off his the corner of his cloak. See, because I don't know what he was thinking originally. Does everybody see what I'm saying? Right? He cuts off the corner of his coat, and now he feels bad. And he says to his people, How could I kill Shaul? Shaul is the anointed king of God, the leader of the Jewish people. I can't kill Shaul. And he rebukes his men. And he doesn't let them to attack Shaul. See what's going on here? David Amalek says he gets up first. And it seems like he's going to go kill Shaul. He cuts off the corner of his coat. I don't know exactly why he does that, right? That's what I said before, right? But then he says, no, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. He's the king of the Jewish people, anointed by the Navi Shmuel to lead the Jews. I, I can't I can't kill him. He, then his men, presumably, they say, no, we're going to kill him. You're not going to kill him. We're going to kill him. He's been chasing you, which means he's been chasing us, which means that we've been running now, you know, on the run, you know, from and now we can take him out and we can move back into civilization and into and into society. So David gives the business to his guys. He's like, no, nobody's gonna touch Shaul. The show come here, my rabbi and Shaul, you know, comes out of the cave and he goes on his he goes on his way. And I don't know how long he waited. I wonder how long you think he waited. I'm not really sure. He waited until Shaul was a safe distance, I guess. I don't know what a safe distance is at this point because they're about to have a conversation. They have to be able to hear each other, right? You know, they didn't have telephones, they didn't have microphones. So they've got to be within earshot, one of the other. And he calls out to Shaul HaMelech and he says, Adoni HaMelech! And Shaul hears that, that David HaMelech screamed out, Adoni HaMelech, my master, the, the king. And Shaul turns around, And David HaMelech bows down. To, to Shaul HaMelech. David and David says to Why are you listening to people who are telling you that I, David, am seeking to do you Shaul harm? Behold today, Look, behold, God place you right in my path in the cave. And I had the opportunity to kill you and I did absolutely nothing because I said he is the anointed leader of the Jewish people. He is the king of the Jews. I can't do I can't do anything, you know, uh to him. Um you know, you know I know, do you, you remember um you remember that time when that reporter threw a shoe at George W. Bush? No, nobody here remembers that. Okay, nobody knows. Anybody on Zoom remember what I'm talking about? I don't even, I think it was a Mexican reporter. I, I don't know. Does yes. somebody know what I'm talking about? What? Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm he talking was, about? You remember that? He had very good reflexes. 
<laughs> you remember that? Okay, fine. You remember, right? But do you remember how like how how like amazing that was that somebody would like throw a shoe at the president of the United States? It was in a press conference. George W. Bush was giving. You'll look it up later. You'll see what I'm talking about. George W. Bush was giving a press conference, and a reporter took off his shoe and threw it at him. Right, you know, for one of the reporters who was in the who was in the who was in the press conference. So, so I think that sounded like JJ, you know, on the phone. You know, uh, yeah, the president George W. Bush, he had better reflexes than a Secret Service in that instance. It looked like, you know what I mean? The shoe got there. <laughs> the shoe got there, right? But that's that, not the point. Not the point, right? What I'm trying to get at is is that it was so uh, it was so shocking that somebody would do that. Would 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 like you know um, uh, belittle you know the the president of the United States like that to throw a shoe at the president of the United States of America? It was so like. What it wasn't funny. It was uh, it was like a guest. Like how could you, you know, like how, how could anybody, how could anybody do that or or think to do that, you know? And here, I'm saying he's at the David Amelech, He's like his emotions just remind me of like what I felt back then. You know, it's like what you know. It's totally different. I understand. But he's like, but well, this is the this is the Mashiach. You know, uh, Hashem. He's the anointed uh, ruler of the Jewish people. Like I I can't. How can I do anything to to Shalom Even though. Shalom Elch is seeking him harm. Shalom Elch is trying to kill David Amelch. He's chasing him. He's trying to kill him, right? You know, so but David Amelch is like, I, I can't harm Shalom. It's entirely amazing the way that David Amelch is thinking. Avi Now he calls him Avi. Why does he call him Avi? There's good reason, by the way, why he calls him Avi. Good reason. This is his father-in-law. Exactly right. Right? Exactly right. It's like you call your father-in-law dad, right? No? Avi. Re'e gam re'e. He says dad. It's his father-in-law. Right? Look. as kenaf mi yocha biyadi. Ki bacharti es kenaf mi yocha below arkicha. He says, look, I'm holding the, the corner of your coat. Look at your coat. It's cut off. It's right here in my hand. I could have killed you. I didn't do it. Da'u re'e ki ain biyadi rabba fesha velokatasi lochavi atat he said, "Look, I got nothing against you, but you're chasing me. You're trying to, you're trying to kill me." God will judge between me and you. And God will take my vengeance from you. But I will not harm you. Show. I will. I will never. I will never harm you. David Amelach says. And was David finished his speech? I said, And Shaul says, "David, is that you?" I guess he was far away. I'm not sure, right? He says, David Amelch, is that really you? Is that really what you're saying? And Shaul picked up his voice and he started to cry. Shaul Amelch has this epiphany, this, this realization. And he says to David, He says, David Amelch, you are the tzaddik. You've done good by me and I've done bad by you. And I realized that today you've done good by me, and today you did good by me. That God put me right in your path, gave me to your hand, you did not kill me. Could you imagine such a thing? Could you imagine? It's probably very difficult for us to imagine right now. I would imagine it's very difficult for everybody here to imagine such a thing. Yeah? When a man will find his enemy. And he'll just send him out in a, in a good path. He won't do anything. And God should pay you back for the kindness that you did for me today. Shaul says to David Amalek. I admit today, Shaul says, I realize you're going to become the king of the Jewish people. There's nothing I can do about it. You're going to be the king of the, of the Jewish people. And so promise me at least that you'll leave my kids alone, that you won't cut off my line. That was a thing that kings used to do. You know, you cut off all of the, the potential heirs to the throne, people who have claims on the throne. And so Shaul says, leave my family alone. by David And David swears to Shaul. By Yelech Shaul, they sow. Shaul goes back to his home, which is in Giva. David and his men head off in their, in their direction. So this is the story. Now, the point that I'm getting at is that Rashi says, at this parak of Tehillim that we learned right now, it starts Maskila David. This is what David Amelach learned. When he was in the cave. When was he in the cave? Now we know the story. When he was in the cave. David Amelach is hiding from Shaul Amelach. Presumably, Shaul Amelach's men are outside the cave. Shaul comes into the cave by himself to use the bathroom because he was a Tzanua fellow, right? That we know about Shaul Amelach. He was. And uh, and David Amelech and his men are hiding in the back of the cave. Now we have this whole conversation that takes place between David Amelech and his men in the back of the cave, right? 
You know what we don't have anywhere in this record in the Tehillim? No tefillah. No tefillah. And so apparently David HaMelech later on wrote this paragraph of Tehillim recalling and, and putting into words the emotions that he had when he was in the back of the cave. Yeah, Maskila David. This is what David HaMelech learned. He became Seichel, right? He gained Seichel. He gained knowledge and understanding. When he was in the cave, Kifilah. He said the following tefillah. Yeah? Let's see the tefillah. Everybody ready? One question. Please, ask. Is there just a myth that it's said this? Yes. Yes. That I don't know. I wish I could answer that question. No, no, no. I, I wish I could answer that question because if I could answer that question, it would mean I know the Tanakh better. Right? The, the question is, where does God tell David HaMelech that he's going to give his enemies to his hand? This will be easy for us to answer. We just have to learn the Tanakh. We just have to learn that. I don't I don't remember it either, but I would be I would be lying if I told you that I remember all of the you know uh, all of the prophecy that God speaks to David HaMelech. We can look, we can look, we can know really, we could look, we could really look. But um, I happen not to know. Uh, offhand, I happen not to know. Good. So here we have the Tefillah of David Amelis. If anybody knows, you can let us know. Okay, fine. Right. Well, during the rest of it, is there still else? Can I turn to Hashem here to help me? Yes. So he doesn't, he's the one who could have killed Saul then. He wasn't correct. Correct. Tara just asked, wait a second, I don't understand something. I don't understand something. Who has the upper hand in the cave? David, right? David has the upper hand in the cave. So isn't the tefillah that we already read, Kufman Beis, we already read it, isn't it incongruent with the reality in which he said it? Right? In other words, when you read the tefillah, Tilim Kufman Beis, it sounds like David Amalek is like, I'm gonna do. I got nowhere else to turn. No one is gonna help me. So I just turned to Akadosh Baruch Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But when you look at the reality, I'm one second. I'm sorry. When you look at the reality, right? David Amelach has the upper hand. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay. So one possibility is that David Amelach wrote this when he was in that cave. He wrote it when he was in that cave, hiding before Shaul came into the cave. That is one possibility. There was another possibility. What was that? Which is what which is what David Amelov's men say to him. Say, look, God has answered your prayers. Here he is, right here. Just kill him. Right? There is a second possibility. I, I don't know which one is better or worse. I don't, I don't think it matters really, but there is a second possibility. And that is that he says it um after Shaul comes into the cave, even when he has the upper hand, but it's after he decides that he's not going to kill Shaul. Because once he decides that he's not going to kill Shaul, once that decision is already made, he no longer has the upper hand, right? Because Shaul is still outside with all of his men. He's trapped on the inside. So either was somebody somebody in the zoo? Maybe he's struggling with the moral dilemma that he has, that he's about to do this and he's just not certain what to do. Oh, amazing. Jake, can we come back to that in one second? Wait, where are we going to come back to that? I'm going to tell you in one second exactly where we're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that when we learn the Midrash on the top of the second page. Is that okay, JJ? Because what you just said is exactly what the Midrash is going to say. It will not help us, that Midrash, with the chronology of exactly when he said it, but the Midrash does point out this exact dilemma that David HaMelech is trying to figure out how should he act? What should he do? Should he kill Shaul? Should he not? We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Uh, in just a in just a minute, Jay. Okay, good. So now let's look at. We'll get there right right now. Now let's look at the. Let's look at the second passage. So David Amelech says the following tefillah. He says, So you see that here, kol is twice. Yeah, the first kol is ezak. The second kol is eschanan. Yeah. So it appears as though there's two different coals, right? Yeah, he's going to be all over that for sure. But look first in the Mitsudos. And the Mitsudo says Koli really means big Koli, Ezak Lashem, right? So this is Koli, I'm going to call out to God with my voice. Now, most obviously in this moment, David Amalek did not actually call out to God with his voice. How do I know that David Amalek did not call out to God with his voice? Because it's got to be quiet in there. If he would have called out to God with his voice, then what would have happened? Shalom Amalek would have heard, most obviously, 
right? So if you look in the Malvin, look at the Malvin, right? Biosoba me'ara, when I was in the cave, I didn't want to call out loud because I would have called out loud and the enemies would have heard. Shaul HaMelech would have heard. His men outside would have heard that we were in there. Oh my gosh. But he didn't. He didn't. That's the shocking part about this Malvin. But to call out to God, I almost, I'm almost not afraid to call out to God. I'm almost not afraid to call out that Kodesh Baruch because even if Shaul hears me, God is, God is there. Now, now, interestingly, he doesn't do that, David HaMelech. He does not call out with a loud voice to, to God because um, then Shaul most definitely would have would have heard him. So he doesn't do that. But about the two calls, Koliel HaShem Ezak, Koliel HaShem Eschanan, right? That I scream out to God and I ask God for, for favor. Look at this Midrash. And JJ, I think this speaks to what you were talking about uh, a second ago. Lama base pa'amim koli. The Midrash asks, why does it say koli twice? The Pasuk could have just said, koli al-Hashem ezak ve'eschanan, or something like that, right? right? And it says, koli al-Hashem ezak, koli al-Hashem eschanan. Why two kolis? Kachamar David. This is what David said. Chaneni, God, have find favor with me, shelo epol biado. That I not fall into Shaul's hands. Vichaneni and find favor in me, Shilohipol Biadi, that he not fall into my hands. That's what Davana Melech says, two prayers. First, God, I'm calling out to you, don't let Shaul kill me. But then, God, I ask you for a favor. Don't make me kill him. Yeah. And that's the JJ. Yes. Maskim. That's what you were talking about. Yeah. That's yeah. the. Yeah. That's the moral dilemma that David HaMelech is struggling with in the cave and the conversation that he has with his men. Now, I wonder, by the way, because I learned this Malbim down here. Right. And the Malbim says he didn't want to talk in a voice. But at the same time, he has his whole back and forth with his dudes. They're sitting there in the cave and they will hold back and forth. Right? I wonder if they actually had this conversation or not. Is that blasphemous that I just said that? Is that like, I'm not, what? It's not like any fear that I'm saying, right? Meaning the Navi said that they had this conversation. Yeah, Jay? This actually, the Midrash that you just read is a very strike, has a striking resemblance to Rashi in Parshas Vayishlach. Um, Yaakov goes out. Hey, is that Jay, do you have a copy of my source sheet? No, I don't. Oh, it's in the chat. If you look in the chat, it should be there. A copy of my source sheet. And sorry. the next source on my source, what was that? Oh, sorry. Okay. No, don't be sorry. Ashrecha betovlach. Good. Right? No, we're, we're, thinking the same, uh, we're thinking the same thing. Right? The very next source is what JJ just said. Right? If you look at the next source, this is a Rashi in Parshas Vayetzeh. I mean, Parshas Vayishlach. Sorry, it's in Vayishlach. Right? The, the, the Torah says that Yaakov Avinu is coming back towards meeting up with Esav. Right? And the Torah says, Vayira Yaakov Ma'od that Yaakov is very scared about meeting up with Esav, and he's very distressed about meeting up with Esav. And Rashi picking up on the two different verbs, Vayira Vayetzer, what is he what is he scared of and what is he distressed about? Two different things. Vayira Yaakov Ma'od Yaakov is very afraid and he's also very and he's also distressed. And so Rashi asks, What's the difference between these two verbs? So Vayira, he's afraid, Shema, that Zion should not be there. That's got to be a Zion for like the Sifsei Chachamim or something like that. Sorry. Vayira Shema Yehareg. Vayitzer lo im Yaharog hu esacherim. He's afraid that Esau might kill him. That's what he's scared of. But he's distressed that he might have to kill Esau. He might have to do it. But that bothers him. He's, he's distressed that he, that he might have to kill Esau. Yeah? And that's exactly what David HaMelech is facing over here, right? Now, what's interesting is that David HaMelech makes a decision that he's not going to kill Shaul. He makes a decision that he's not going to kill. I don't know what decision Yaakov Avinu would have made. Everybody understands what I'm saying, yeah? Yaakov Avinu didn't come to it. He didn't have to, right? But Esau hugs him and, you know, uh, whatever. But um, but I wonder, I wonder, right? So so both Yaakov and both David, they they present us with this this dilemma and this uh, this um, this really moral quandary. Right where they are are scared that they might be killed and yet distressed by the fact that they may have to kill others, right? And that's the that's the that's the two tefillas that David Amelach that David Amelach sings, right? Or David Amelach screams, right? Ezak is really a scream, right? Right. The phrase that I scream, God, to protect me, don't let Sho kill me, but also God, I I don't I don't want to kill him, 
make something happen. Do something here, God, because I I don't want to I don't want to have to do that. Yeah, saying that's a real that's a, that's a real moral tight spot, right? That David and Young. Yeah, David didn't mind killing if he killed a lot of enemies, but Shaul that he was in the Shia. That's really yeah. interesting. That's yeah, really that interesting. Was, that was and then what we say by Yaakov, because Esav is his brother. Well, we don't know that Yaakov killed people. So uh, David Amalek definitely did. David Amalek definitely you know. So, But this this bothered him, because Shaul was the Mashiach Hashem. He was the leader of the Jewish people. He was anointed by Shmuel. And that could very well be. That's definitely a possibility. Definitely possible. Good. Let's get back to the possibility. Right, back to the tiller. sarasi agid. I pour out to God Sihi, my uh, my meditation, Sarasi, my difficulties, Lefanava Gid, I say to him. So if, if you look in Ibn Ezra, Eshpok Ba'avura Yosakobi Galui, yes sihi ba seser. Before David Amalek said, right, that I scream out to God. But he didn't really scream out to God. We know he didn't really scream out to God, because otherwise Shaul will have heard him. So what do I do? Eshpok Lefanav Sihi. I pour out to God my meditation, sihi, my thoughts, right? I'm, I can't scream out, right, with the coal, with my voice. And so, sihi, I pour out to God what's inside of me, my, my meditation. Right now, if you, uh, oh, so I was thinking, again, yeah, this is just, this is just, uh, this is just me thinking, you know, but uh, if, you know, if you skip down to the Malbim, I'll show you where I got this from, right? The, the Malbim writes, um, in the second line, I don't know why I put this first line. In the second line, in front of God, I'll pour out my my siach, my meditation. So you know what I was thinking? I don't think the Malbim actually means this exactly. If you read the whole thing, you'll see. I don't think he means this exactly. But it's what made me think. I'll pour out before God my thoughts. You know what's going on inside of me. Sarasi, my troubles. That's chitzoni. That's what's going. That's what's outside of me. Right. Sarasi I'll tell him about my troubles. So I'm going to tell him that Shalom Melech is out here and that I've got nowhere to go and that I feel trapped in the back of this cave and that I'm running away and I need assistance and I need help. But I'm going to pour out to God my my meditation because I'm going to tell God how I'm feeling about all that. See, it's not the same thing. Yeah, right? One is, I'm telling God what's going on, and I'm asking for assistance and help. And two is, I'm telling God how I'm feeling about all of that. I'm asking for assistance and help. Does everyone see that that's two very, very different prayers? I I, I was reflecting on this this afternoon as I was as I was preparing, and I, I realized that in, if what I just said is true, in my personal tefillos, I don't know I don't know about everybody here, in my personal tefillos, I've been very focused on sarasi. I've been very focused on 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 talking to God about what's going on, and asking God for assistance and help in what is happening. I have not. This is just me. I don't know anybody else. I don't know. It's just me. I have not been focusing so much in my tefillos on on talking to God about how it's making me feel, you know, and and how I'm feeling about it, and how I'm I'm coping or trying to cope or dealing with. Does everyone understand what I'm what, what I'm saying? And that's a very different kind of tefillah. It's a very different kind of tefillah. So David Amalek here is giving us paradigms of tefillah. He's telling us. And when we turn to God, we can do both of these things. It's okay. I can pour out to God my feelings. This is this is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on inside of me, right? Whatever that is, whatever that emotion, whatever those emotions are. And I can also talk to God about uh, the difficulties that are that are happening in the world that's around. What are the events that are taking place that are making me feel this way? But I, I can bifurcate those those two things and say different kinds of tefillos, tefillos that are about events and tefillos that are about emotions and about, about feelings. And that self-reflective kind of tefillah is a very different kind of tefillah. Yeah? Does everyone understand what I'm saying? It's a very different kind of feeling. You're asking for very different things. You're asking for very different things when you when you say that kind of self-reflective tefillah. But if you look at this radak, this radak is is really interesting. Look at this. I skipped it. Go back to the radak. It's right there. I pour out to God my, my meditation. Right, I tell him about my my difficulties. So I says, even though God knows them already. I still tell him in my tefillos. This is a really interesting quandary about tefillah that the Radak really mentions. He doesn't ask it as a question, right? But this is a fair question about tefillah. Why do I need to do it in the first place? Yeah, doesn't God know what's going on? Is everybody with me? Yeah, why do I need to say tefillah in the beginning? Doesn't doesn't God know? Doesn't God know? So if you look, I gave you this passage from Sharon about tefillah. I think I'm just going to tell it to you out, you know, uh, here. 
Um, but you can you can read it. What did you say, Ty? You can see it says Doxa Hamasi here, but can't you also say it about the Kasein? Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Meyachuz. I mean, I agree. Hundred percent. We can ask the same question. We could ask this question about tefillah in general. I'll, let me rephrase, right? We the Ma'abit asked this question. The Ma'abit, Rabbi Yishai Trani, a, a student of, uh, of Rabbi Yosef Cairo, who lived in uh, in Sfat. He had smicha from Rabbi Yosef Cairo. It was part of the great smicha controversy. Rabbi Yishai Trani, right? And he wrote a sefer on tefillah. It's called Beis Elokim. And in the sefer on tefillah, Beis Elokim, the Ma'abit asks this question. The Ma'abit asks, why do we daver? Doesn't God know what we need? Saying like, what, what? You know, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, what's the what's the whole point? Right? God knows. So, you know? So, so okay, so look at this piece in Sharon Batfila's Rabinkas asks this question also. And and uh and Rabinkas uh says, one of the great uh, rules of the way that God interacts in the world is even though God knows and sees everything. This is the way that God set up the way he operates in the world. That God makes it as if he doesn't see that which we do not show him. And, uh, and, and he makes it as if he does not know that which we don't bring before him. There's two different ways of understanding this, by the way. There are some, there are some, I believe that the Rabad is one of them, actually, um, in terms of the Rishonim. There are some who believe that God actually doesn't know. The Ralbag, um, he doesn't use this term because this is a Hasidic term that would have come after the Ralbag. But the Ralbag says that when God made the world, he cre he, he acted with tzimtzum. Yeah, that means that God constricted himself. And God needed to constrict himself because if God did not constrict himself, then the, the whole world would just be, I mean, the whole world is godly, but it would be so obvious that the whole world is godly. We wouldn't have any free choice. We wouldn't be able to improve the world. We wouldn't, everything would just, you know, be so, you know, shining godliness. Is, is everyone understanding what I'm saying? So God restricted himself. Now, what does that mean that God restricted himself? There's different ways of understanding this. There's a big machlokis amongst the Rishonim um, in terms of what exactly that means. But the Rabbag, if I remember, I think it's the Rabbag, he's on an extreme place and he believes, no, 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 God actually does not know. God made, he restricted himself so much that he that he does not know. You don't have to believe that. You, you need not believe that. You need not, right? We could believe what Rebinka says here, which is a much more moderate version of the same idea, which is that God knows. He goes, he knows good and well. He knows good and well. He knows good and well. But he acts like he doesn't know. Because that's how God made the world. Why did God do it that way? I'm not entirely sure. It was probably because he wanted us to have a relationship with him. God wanted us to call out to him. And so God said, listen, I won't do anything until you call out to me. I'm going to pretend like I don't know. I know. But I'm going to pretend like I don't know. Why am I going to pretend like I don't know? Because I want you to come to me. Because I want to have a conversation with you. Because I want you to come to me. I want you to know that I'm here. And I want you to come to me and talk. And so then I'll give you... So then, uh, I missed it, Elliot. It was on there for a second, but then I lost it. I'm sorry. I have to check at it later. I know, I know again, but I'm not going to. Right? But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's um, th that's what because he writes. And that's what the Radak here says. Yeah, you understand what the Radak is saying? The Radak is saying, the Dabra Menach says, I'm going to... Oh. I'm so hidden. They don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Great. So, um, so, so the Radak here says that God knows exactly what we need, and yet David Amalek says, that I'm still going to talk to Kadosh Baruch Hu. And the way that Rabinkus explains it here is because, because I have to talk to Kadosh Baruch Hu. Because if I want God to answer, I need to call out to Him because that's the way that God, that's the way that God made the world. I remember one time, I was in the Young Israel of Memphis uh, with Rav Nathan Greenblatt. And somebody came up and uh, and and because this idea, you know, maybe has some limits. Because um, I remember somebody came up and asked Reb Nutter the following question. They, they said to him, they said, listen, Rebbe, I'm, I'm, I, I want to dive in for somebody, somebody who was sick and whatever. I don't remember. I don't think he said the circumstances, actually, but I, I certainly don't remember them, even if he did. Um, he said, I want to dive in for somebody who, who's sick, but I don't know their Hebrew name. So what do I do? What do I do? That's what they asked. That's what they, that's what they asked Reb Nutter. And Rav Nata smiled. If anybody knew Rav Nata, you know, he, he, he loved to smile. He loved to laugh. He, he was a funny man, Rav Nata. He, he really was. Um, and Rav Nata smiled, and he, and he laughed. He gave like a little chuckle, and, uh, and he said, so you dive in without saying their name. And then he continued, Rav Nata, and he said, listen to me. If God doesn't know who you're davening for, then you don't need to dive into that God. That's what he said. That's how, that's how he said it. That's what he said, and that's how he said it. If God doesn't know who you're davening for, you don't need to dive into that God. Obviously. But that doesn't mean that I don't need to daven. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? It doesn't mean I don't need to daven. 
I have to daven because I come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and I pour out to God the tefillahs that I have. And when I pour out to God the tefillahs that I have, if I left something out and if I missed something, then then God picks up the rest. That's that. God is there. He knows. He's watching. He sees it. He knows. He knows everything. He asked me a question. What about according to the Rabbah? He says, okay, fine. Right. But uh, but but God God knows. And he sees. And uh, and he's just waiting for us to call out to him, even though he already knows. He's just standing there and he's just he's just waiting. You ever do that, by the way, with your kids? I have some of my kids here. So this is dangerous what I'm about to say, you know. But like you know that they want and need something, and you're like watching and you're just waiting for them to ask. But you're waiting for them to ask because okay. because you want them to ask. You know what I'm talking about? Some parents here are nodding their heads. They know what I'm talking about. You know, whatever, whatever. What was that? Yeah, also with older kids. Yeah, also with older kids, younger kids, you know, whatever, right? It's different with older kids and with younger kids. But I, I imagine you know what I'm talking about. You're watching. You see it. You know what it is, but you're waiting. You're waiting. You're waiting. You're just going to see how it plays out. And they come to ask, you give it right away. They come to ask, and you give it right away. You're there. You're, you're ready for it. That's what the Radaki writes. So, but Amalek says, I spoke with Nancy Fitzarasilis I pour out to Akadosh Baruch Hu, and God is standing there. He knows, and he's just waiting. He's waiting, but he's going to wait. He's going to wait. And he's going to wait for us to call out to him. Because that's how Akadosh Baruch Hu made the world, because he wants us to turn to him. He wants us to have that relationship. When my soul wraps around me, and you look in the Radak, the Radak says, What does that mean? My soul wraps around me. Right? Because I'm so troubled. You know, you ever. Yeah, you ever um, you ever see somebody crying and they like crawl up into a ball? You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you're so troubled, you like curl into yourself. I, I, I wrap around myself. My soul wraps around me. I, I curl in like this because I'm so, I'm so troubled. But you, God, you know my path. You know that I didn't do anything wrong. You, you know that I'm walking the right path. Unlike my adversaries who are trying to do wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything to them. David here is talking about Shaul. I'm not out to harm Shaul. I, don't, I have no problems with Shaul. Behem wrote from Acharai, but he's chasing after me. And any way that I go, any way I go, they 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 set a trap. They set a trap for me. There's no way to win. You know, uh, I don't know. You know, we're facing some of these decisions right now where there's just no way to win. Any 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 choice we make is uh, is is a bad choice. Yeah, I saw I saw this. Did you see this in the news that Israel is asking the Palestinians to leave Gaza because we're trying to kick them out of the land? You you, you saw this in the news. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm talking about. Whatever I choose, right? They set a trap for me. If we don't tell them to leave, what's going to happen? We all know what's going to happen. People are going to die, and then who's going to go look at the Israelis? They're killing the they're killing the the Palestinians. We tell them to leave because we don't want to kill them. You know, we 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 want them to to live, right? It was all oh, the Israelis. They're killing the Palestinians out of the Orech Zuale. Any anywhere you go, By the way, this is Jewish history. I'm saying like not this particular decision because we didn't have armies and countries and whatever, right? But 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 Jews have been persecuted because they were communists and persecuted because they were capitalists, persecuted because they were rich and persecuted because they were poor. Any way we go, they set a trap for us. This this is no way that we can turn. We say to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, we say to our we're so troubled, we don't know what to do. You know, God, that, that we're, we're not out to get anybody. It's not like some Jewish cabal. It's not true. The whole thing is, is lies. But, but, but whichever way we go, they set traps to ensnare us and to, and to catch us. You know? I, I don't know. It strikes me whenever, like, you know, Tehillim talks straight to modern you know, scenarios. David says, look to my right. On my right is supposed to be my help, my assistance. It's supposed to be standing on my right. When somebody's standing on your right side, right, they're there to, to back you up. So look to my right and see the that there's nobody there. Look to my right and see that there's nobody there. I've got no refuge. I have nowhere else to turn. There's nobody coming to assist me and nobody coming to help me. Right? That uh, we sit uh, we sit alone. I know, I know. Ellie, I don't know if Ellie Michelle's out there right now. He's going to tell me that we don't sit alone. And okay, fine. I, you know, I hope we don't sit alone. You know? But uh, but sometimes we do. 
but sometimes we do. And hopefully we don't. I hope we don't. Right? You know, hopefully we don't. And there's USA, you know, uh, aircraft carriers right up the coast right now. So hopefully we're not sitting alone. Feel that, uh, feel that strength. But uh, but sometimes David Melech says, I feel like I'm I'm all by myself. Feel like I'm I'm all alone. I call out to God. I say, God, you are my refuge. You are my chelik, my my portion. Look in the redak. Redak says, What does he mean? That God is my portion in the in the eretz achayim. It's talking about the land of Israel. And what David Melech is actually saying is, I call out to you, God. I say that you are my refuge. Let my portion be in Eretz Yisrael. Because David Melech was running away from Eretz Yisrael. Why was David Melech running away from Eretz Yisrael? Because Shaul was seeking him out to kill him. So David Melech was running away from Eretz Yisrael. And David Melech says, he says, I'm leaving Eretz Yisrael now. But I want my portion to be back in Eretz Yisrael. I imagine, I imagine. That any Jews who left Eretz Yisrael this week because they, you know, were were scared of what's going on here, and God bless them, they should all be well. I imagine they said this exact tefillah as they left, as they boarded the plane. I imagine this is exactly what they said. Right? I imagine all of the Americans who left Israel, you know, uh, so there was a boat to Cyprus, you know, uh, to get the Americans out. I imagine that as they all left, they all said this exact tefillah. They all said They said, God, I don't know what to do. We're, we we're in a terrible position right here. We're fleeing from the land of Israel because we're nervous and we want to save ourselves. But let us come back. Let our portion be back in the back in back in Eretz Yisrael. That's what the Radak thinks. And David Melech Davin, as he was running away from as he was running away from Shaul. Now, if you look in the Malvin, don't worry about the second Radak right here for a different time. If you look in the Malvin right here, the Malvin has a different understanding of the Tefillah. The Malvin says, "Zakti, I call out to God." Right, so this is a uh, enhancement on what we said before. Kaliyol Hashem Azak. David Melech here says now a second time, Zak Elech Hashem. So this is you know uh, a further elaboration on the tefillah that he was already saying. V'negid mashikas of Kaliyol Hashem Eschanan v'yirat tachanunim she'amarti atomachsi ki atachanunim hu bakoshes matnaschinam shelo mitzaraschus hu babetanos. Okay, I'm sorry about all that. I wish I could explain all of that. I'm not, but let's let's understand this point in the Malbim. David Melech says to Hakadosh Baruch God, you should protect me. You should be machsi amarti atomachsi. I said God that you are my Refuge. Why should God be David Amelech's refuge? David Amelech came with kindness, the Malbim says. He said, Amarti, I said, meaning David said, David said, I said, David said, but David said, Atomachsi, that you, God, are my refuge. Why? Aleph, one, Yan Atomachsi Tamid, Viroi Shetazreni Gamata, Kilotishtana, because you've helped me in the past. Just like you've always been my refuge, you should be my refuge now. Base, Mitzad Shatachelki Biaratzachayim. You also put me in the in the land of the living, so you should watch over my life. Meaning, you put me here, Kodesh Baruch Hu, Only makes sense that you would that you would that you would watch over me. And I read this Malbim, and I don't know if this is exactly what the Malbim means, but I read this Malbim, and it made me think of this next piece that I have right here underneath in the Sharon Batfila. Look at this piece that that, that Rebinkos has. A lot of Sharon Batfila tonight. Just how it worked out. But look at this piece that Rav Pinkos has, and then maybe we'll come back to the film and see if you understand where I got it from. Look at what what, what Rav Pinkos writes. Right, the pasuk says it is better to rely on God than to have faith in mankind. Um, and the Vilna Gaon explains. Um, that there's a difference between chusayon, chusa, and uh, and 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 batoach and betach. What's the difference? Chusa, right, is something that doesn't need a promise. What does that mean? The Vilna Gaon says it's like going into the shade of a tree. What does he mean? It's like a person who goes underneath the shade of the tree. You go underneath the tree, and the tree gives you shade. Why does the tree give you shade? Because that's what it does. That is its nature. That's just, that's what it is. It's not like the tree is making a conscious decision. Should I give this guy shade? Should I not give this guy shade? The tree gives you shade because that's the nature of the tree. Anybody who goes underneath the tree receives the shade of the tree automatically. That's just, that's, that's what you get. Yeah? Is everybody with me, right? And so Pinkus explains over here is who That's how it is with God. 
Just like the light in this room, it illuminates this room for us because that's what light does. And this light it illuminates for us. When you come to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Hakadosh Baruch Hu protects you. That's just how it works. That's how it works. When you come to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Hakadosh Baruch Hu protects you. Right? That's what. Uh, if you look at the next paragraph, I'm not going to read it right now. I'm sorry. If you look at the next paragraph, that's why. Uh, that's how he explains. Another pasuk in Tehillim, David Amelach says that God two different things that God helps us with. Your chesed and your truth. What's the difference between your chesed and your truth? There's sometimes that God helps us with his chesed. Chesed, because we don't deserve it. God gives us chesed. There are sometimes that God helps us with his emet, with his truth. And God helps us with his truth because we deserve it. What does that mean that we deserve it? Rabbi Pincus explains because when I come close to God, God just protects me. That's how it is because that's emet. It's not because I have merit. It's not because God is paying me reward. It's like the shade of a tree. You come and you stand under the tree, the tree gives you shade. You come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and God protects you. And that's what David Amela said over here. He says, I called out to you, God, and I said, you are my refuge. Why are you my refuge? Because I'm calling out to you, God. Because I'm calling out to you and I bring myself close to you and you should protect me. That's what the Malmun calls tainus. David Amalek has tainus, Akash Baruch I wish it only was so easy, by the way. It only worked, you know, like this, you know, like, you know, but the, but I call out to you, God, and now you should protect me. Why? Because I'm standing under your tree. I'm standing under your tree. I should get the shade. That's the taina of, of David Amalek. When he calls out to Akash Baruch and he says, Amarti Atamarsi. So you should give me my chalak in the um, in, in the I'm pretty sure that one of the Rishon, oh, it's the second Radak that I skipped. The second Radak that I skipped over there, he says a different interpretation is that maybe David Amalek is saying, meaning that he'll that God will give him Tchias Hames. Right? If this doesn't work out for me, God, you're my refuge, and so you'll bring me back. Right in the in the time of uh, in the time of Tchias I'm going to try to finish the tale. Yep, Hakshiva El Rina Sikidalosi Miod Hatzileni Miod Fai Kiam Sumi Many. So listen to my Rina, listen to my uh, my calls. Kidalosi Miod because I am very low. Hatzileni Miod Fai Kiam Sumi Many. Right, save me from those who are chasing me because they are stronger than I am. Now, okay, this is just my own right now, and none of the Rishonim say this, and I can explain to you, I think, why, but I really just, I'm going to try to finish the Tilim, and I want to I want to suggest this possibility. Do you see something strange here? Maybe you didn't. I don't know the Rishonim didn't, and I don't know why they didn't, but Hakshiva El Rinasi. What kind of Tzfila is Arena? The song, the joyous song. Why is David Amelech singing joy right now? Where did that come from? It's so incongruous with the rest of this paragraph of Tehillim. Does everybody understand my question? What, what kind of tefillah has he been saying up until now? Za'aka, right? Screaming out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Sichit, Sarasi. And now all of a sudden, Akshiva El Rinasi. Listen to my Rina. Kidalosi Miod. Because I am very low. It doesn't make any sense. When you're very low, you don't say Rina. When do you say Rina? You say Reno when you're joyous, when you're high. Is everybody here with me? Yeah? Oh, and so this is the last piece of Sharon Batfilo that I have for everybody today. Right? Turn it over to the to the next page and look at this. I'm gonna read most of this, most of this passage. This is my this is my own suggestion. I didn't see this in any version. Exiv, the, the Pasik says in Echa, Kumi Roni Balaila the Roshashmoros. It's a famous Pasak, yeah? Get up and sing song in the middle of the night at the changing of the watch. Shivchi kamayim libech, pour out your hearts to God. No chakpanei Adonai, pour out your hearts to God. Siiye love kapayech al nefesh or lalayech atutim verav verosh kolkis. And raise your hands to God because there is babies who are starving. The siege of Yerushalayim. There's babies who are starving at every street corner. Vikasha, this is such a difficult pasuk to understand. The lechora rina hitfila ba mitok simcha v'shevach lakadosh baruch hu. Rina song is a kind of tefila that comes out of simcha. V'im kain eich nimtza mikoma kam b'tefila never shall alaych atupim berafos pochutzos. How does Yirmiyah sing rina when there's babies starving in siege at every street corner? Avol be'emes, but the truth is. So if this, if everybody, let's, let's learn this one tonight. Yeah, let's learn this one. That at the time of immense trouble, there is a tremendous power to saying tefillah of Rina. Because when the gates of heaven seem locked and you're trying to open up the, the, the doors of blessing, 
Nothing opens the gates of heaven like song and thanks. Because when I smile towards God, then God smiles back towards me. I would have said this a little bit differently than Rabbi Pinkus says it here. Rabbi Pinkus says that when you smile at God, God smiles back and he opens the gates. You know what I would have said? I would have said when the front door is locked and you're banging and banging and you can't get in, you find that there's a window open on the back side. What is the window that's open? It's the bracha that you're already getting. Because you're already getting some kind of bracha. So I'm pleading and I'm banging on the gates of heaven and I can't get in because those gates are locked. But if I can find something to sing Rina, if I can find something to thank, what am I singing Rina about? I'm singing Rina about the bracha that I already have, about the good stuff that I do have in life. That means that there's a window open in the back. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? It means that there's a gate to heaven that is open because God is giving me that Rina. He's giving me that bracha, I'm sorry. And if I could sing Rina, sing thanks and shira for the bracha that God is giving me, I could enter inside of God's palace from the open back window. I'm standing at the front gates and I'm pounding and I'm pounding and they're locked and I can't get in. That's my bakasha. But if I can sing Rina, that means I can get inside from the window that's open in the back. Is everybody with me? Yeah? And that's where Pinkus writes, Usigula Atsuma Hizu. You hear that language? Everyone's always looking for a skula. Yeah? Segula Atsuma. This is a strong skula. What's the strong skula? Kashera Adam Bitsara. When a person is in trouble, Vishare Bracha Segurim Lefanov. And the gates of heaven seem locked and closed. Sheyisponin Berov Tovosav Yisparach. Alkola Olam Bechlal. Find something to be thankful for. Find some bracha that God is giving us. And, and there's always something, he's saying in this next part. There's always something that we can give bracha for. And if we find something that we can, I'm sorry, we can give hoda for. And if we find something that we can give hoda for, we can get in the back window. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will answer the prayers that we have because we're already inside. Is everybody with me? And that's why, that's why Rina has tremendous power at times of tzara, it's counterintuitive, yes? At times of tzara, you think that we bang and bang and bang bakasha. And what Repinkus is suggesting is that it could be, and he's based on a passage in Yirmiya, right? That's what Yirmiya says, kumi roni balayla, that when it's terrible, when there's siege outside, find a way to sing rina. Because if I can sing rina and sing real thanks for stuff that I have, I can get inside from the open window. And then I could ask for Kaddish Baruch Hu for wisdom already inside. And maybe that's what David Amalek says here. He says, Hakshiva el rinasi I'm very, very low. I'm very low. Everyone sees I'm very low, but God, listen to my arena. I can still say thanks. I can still sing Rina. And because I can still sing Rina to you, I'm getting inside. Save me from my uh, from those who are chasing me because they are uh, they are they are too great for me to put up there for them, uh, to deal with them myself. Now David Abelach makes his pledge. He says, Take me out of my confinement. Take my soul out of my confinement. Let me let me fly. Let me be free physically. Get me out of this cave and save me. But also, let my soul be free. Let my soul spread itself. And when you do that, what will I do? What is my pledge? I will sing your praise, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when I sing your praise, and I tell everybody that I was in trouble, and God helped me, and God saved me, and God is always there for us, through me, the tzaddikim will be crowned. Because I will show everybody that the tzaddikim are righteous, and they're right, and God is always with us, and God answers our prayers. Because God, you assisted me, you helped me, you brought my fate to fruition. Then Then through me, I through my praise, and through the songs that I will sing to you, when people will, will put the crown on the righteous and realize that Kodesh Baruch Hu is with us, that Kodesh Baruch Hu is always with us, Kodesh Baruch Hu hears and answers our prayers, and that it is to him that we should run in our times of refuge. And uh, like I said, hopefully through our tefillahs, I'm, I'm wrapping it up, through our tefillahs, we'll, uh, <laughs> we will find ourselves moving out from the ma'ara, out from the caves, and those who are trapped in the caves and in the tunnels, we should find them coming out, we should be able to release our souls. They should be free physically. We should be free from our spiritual and emotional confinement. And answer all of our tefillahs so that we should find ourselves living peacefully and comfortably in Eretz Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael here in the evening soon. Let's say the film together. Tell them quick members. Everybody ready? Maskila David biosoba me'aras tefillah kolil Adonai Yazak kolil Adonai Yitzchanan. 
Eshvoch lefanav sichit, sarasi lefanav agit. Bisatef alai ruchi, viata yadat enesivasi, vorach zu alech tamnu fachli. Habegam min rei vein limakir, avad monos mimeni, doresh lenafshi. Zahti elechwa donai amartiata maxi, chelki vieret hachayim. Hakshiv el rinasi ki dalosi miot, hatsileni mirot fai ki omsumi meni, hotsia bimazger rabshilo doseshemecha, biach tiru sadikim ki sigma la la, yachinu kobisi samsuna batsarava shibiam, bim bim bayam, bim bayam rashi. Amakom yrachim alehem, yotsimi sarali brachani, hilali or rabshiva de gula, hashtabagalov is mankariv, and omar, amen. Everybody have a great night. Thanks a lot, everybody.